Welcome to the Littler CPRA podcast, helping you better understand the impact of the California Privacy Rights Act on employers. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast series focused on the California Privacy Rights Act, or CPRA. My name is Philip Gordon. I'm a shareholder in Littler's Denver office, and I co-chair the firm's Privacy and Background Checks Practice Group. I'm joined today by my fellow shareholders, Zoe Argento, also from Littler's Denver office, and Kwabana Apentang from our Chicago office. So many of you may have heard references to the California Consumer Privacy Act, or CCPA, which went into effect January 1, 2020. The CCPA had a relatively limited impact on employers. There are basically two provisions of the CCPA that are significant for the employer community. One is the requirement to provide what's called a notice at collection at or before the point of collecting personal information from employees, applicants, or contractors. And that's a relatively brief notice. The second relates to information security. And the CCPA actually doesn't impose any affirmative obligations on employers, but instead it provides a remedy to victims of a security breach. So it created an incentive for employers to focus on information security. And that's it. There are a lot of other aspects of the CCPA, but they did not apply to employers in their capacity as employer. In November of 2020, the California electorate approved Proposition 24, a people's initiative, which is known as the California Privacy Rights Act. The CPRA will amend and supersede the CCPA. It goes into effect on January 1, 2023. It applies to all personal information of California residents, including HR data. Phil, can I just stop you there? Question for you. Oh, sure. How is personal information defined under the CPRA? Personal information is defined broadly. So it includes any individually identifiable information about a natural person. And that means it could include job title, job status, work location, supervisor's name, that's associated with a specific California resident. So it's important to note here, the information doesn't have to be particularly sensitive to be personal information, although sensitive categories of personal information like social security numbers, driver's license numbers, health information, certainly also fall within the scope of the definition. And then uh, pretty much any other information that employers generate in connection with the employment relationship, like performance appraisals or compensation and benefits information, also is going to be within scope. Uh, and 
as to that information, whether it applies to an applicant, an employee, or an independent contractor, employers are going to have broad compliance obligations. So the CPRA is going to be a game changer. Let's talk then about who's covered, who needs to be concerned about complying with the CPRA. So if your organization was required to comply with the CCPA and provide a notice of collection, then it also will be required to comply with the CPRA. The eligibility or scope requirements of the CPRA are basically the same. So for some of you who haven't had to address the issue, whether or not the CCPA applied to your organization, you might be wondering, well, what are the criteria for eligibility or for scope? Number one, does the business collect personal information of California residents? Two, does the entity do business in California? And number three, does the business have annual revenues, gross revenues, exceeding $25 million? So kind of a small business exception there. Phil, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I have a hypo or two. The first, if a legal entity is located outside of California, but recruits employees in California, would that legal entity be doing business in California? So it's a good question, Kwabana. And I think generally the answer is going to be no. As long as that out-of-California business does not itself have employees or physical facilities located in California, is not registered to do business in California, simply recruiting in California from out of state is not going to subject that out of state entity to the CPRA. Phil, one more question for you. When determining whether an entity meets that $25 million threshold, should our clients only include the revenue that they have from doing business in California? No, Quabin, it's actually much broader than that. So revenue generated from anywhere uh, in the U.S. or even outside the U.S. is going to count against the $25 million threshold. Now, there's there's one other important point for scope of the CPRA, and, and that is for an entity that does not meet these criteria, it could still be subject to the CPRA if it... Um, owns or controls a business as defined by the CPRA, it shares common branding with that business, and it receives California personal information from the business. So that's pretty abstract. Let me give a specific example. You have a Massachusetts parent corporation with a California subsidiary the parent corporation itself doesn't have any operations in California, but it shares branding with the California subsidiary and it receives personal information from that sub. The sub is wholly owned. Then the Massachusetts parent corporation also is going to be subject to the CPRA. So does the CPRA require employers 
that have complied with the CCPA and already distributed a notice at collection to update their notice. Thanks for asking, Zoe. Yes, unfortunately, employers are going to have to distribute a new notice at collection in order to comply with the CPRA. Let's take a step back. Under the CCPA, employers were required to distribute a notice at collection to all workforce members that explained two things. That each category of personal information that was collected by the CCPA covered business and the purpose for use for each category of personal information. Well, the CPRA enhances these disclosure requirements in the notice at collection. Employers are now required to provide a more comprehensive notice at collection, which explains the following things. The first is employers must explain each category of sensitive personal information that's collected under the CPRA. This is a new category of information defined by the CPRA, and it will be familiar, or at least look familiar, to employers who are familiar with EU data protection law, specifically the GDPR. Because under the CPRA, categories of personal information that are considered sensitive personal data under the GDPR are now protected as sensitive personal information, specifically information about a person's race or ethnic origin, information about their geolocation, biometric data, information about union membership, information about their health, information about their sex life or sexual orientation. These categories of data must now all be specifically delineated within the CPRA notice at collection as categories of sensitive personal information that are collected by the employer to the extent that they are. And employees will have specific rights vis-a-vis -vis these categories of personal information, or sensitive personal information, I should say. Second is employees will need to disclose whether or not they sell or share personal information, although this is unlikely to apply to employers. The CPRA has a very specific definition of sharing. It means disclosing information in the context of cross-context behavioural advertising, which is unlikely to apply to the disclosure to a service provider that employers typically make. However, it is a requirement. The third and perhaps most onerous requirement under the CPRA is the retention schedule. As I'll discuss more later, employers must now come up with a retention schedule and they must provide information about this retention schedule within their notice of collection. Employers must specifically provide information about the time period for which each category of personal or sensitive personal information is retained. If that's not possible, employer must at a minimum provide the criteria that's used to determine the retention period for each category of personal or sensitive personal information. Finally, at least from my read, it's not clear under the CPRA if an employer must specifically delineate the rights that an employee has under the CPRA within their notice at collection. It is clear, however, that this information must be provided in the website privacy policy, which I think you're going to discuss more now, Zoe. Yes, thank you, Kwabana. So in essence, the CPRA has two notice requirements. The first is the notice at collection that Kwabana just described. The second is the website privacy policy. So the website privacy policy is a highly detailed document. I think it's intended to be a bit like the nutrition label on a can of soup. So the company slaps this label of sorts on its website, and consumers can read a summary of the company's overall data handling practices. So there are two parts of the privacy policy. First, a description of what data the company collects and how it handles it. Uh, the information provided here is a bit different than the notice at collection. So there are some overlaps and, and some points of, of distinction. So like the notice at collection, the company must explain the categories of information it collects, the purposes of use, the sale and sharing of data. There are also some additional items of information required in the privacy policy. 
In particular, the privacy policy requires the sources of information that the company collects, and it requires the categories of third parties to which the company discloses personal information. There are also some items required by the notice at collection that are not required by the privacy policy, such as the retention schedule. So given the overlap of the information required by the notice at collection and the privacy policy, I think that for some companies, it will just make sense to create one combined document and use it for both purposes. So that's the first part of the privacy policy, the data, data handling nutrition label. Second, the privacy policy has to, to provide a description of the California resident's rights and how to exercise those rights. So I'll cover in more detail um, what those rights are later in this presentation. Hey Zoe, can, can I interrupt for a second with a question? I'm just surprised that there's a law out there telling HR professionals that their company has to post a policy for employees on the company's publicly facing website. I mean, that's something that employers don't do. Yeah, I, I think um, this is a real um, consideration for, for employers, especially because some of the items in the privacy policy are kind of sensitive and I, I think potentially even create a data security risk. You know, so the privacy policy is supposed to explain whether the company collects sensitive, sensitive personal information, which Quabana explained, you know, is, is pretty sensitive. And, um, it has to disclose, you know, where the company collects it from and, and how the company handles it. So in answer to your question, Phil, the CPRA is a bit ambiguous about whether the privacy policy must be posted publicly. So the CPRA states that the privacy policy must be included in the company's online privacy policy, or if it does not maintain those policies on its internet website. So the question becomes, what constitutes online? So I'd say that there's a reasonable argument that the employer's intranet is an online posting. And as long as the privacy policy on the intranet is available to the full California workforce, then the policy is adequately posted. But this is a point that may be clarified um, by the implementing regulations in July next year. That makes sense to me. Uh, another question, though, it sounds like this online privacy policy, wherever it ends up being posted, is going to have a lot of factual information about the business's information handling processes for HR data. And in my experience, those processes change regularly. Clients bring introduce new vendors that collect different categories of information. They change their business processes over time. Does that mean that employers are going to have to be continuously updating this document? That, would, that seems very burdensome. Right. Um, so the CPRA states that the privacy policy must be updated at least every 12 months. But the CPRA implies that the privacy policy must be accurate. So I think employers are going to have to find a bit of a balance here of perhaps updating for big changes as needed and then doing an annual review. But again, hopefully the regulations will give us a bit more um, guidance on that. That concludes today's episode. Please join us again on our next podcast in this series as we continue to discuss the CPRA. Thanks for listening.
The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.